Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, April 7th, 2023. Today, the Tennessee State House has voted to expel Democratic members for standing with their constituents against gun violence. Justice Clarence Thomas ruled on bribery laws while accepting bribes. Jim Jordan has fired off a subpoena for Mark Pomerantz while still refusing to respond to his own, which draws sharp rebuke from the Manhattan D.A., and the Supreme Court rules in favor of a transgender girl in sports. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hi, everybody. Autocracy is afoot in Tennessee. We'll talk about the potential expulsion of three Democratic lawmakers. I'll be recording this episode as the votes happen. So the news will be breaking to me and I'll be speaking with the new alder in Madison District 15, our friend Dina Nina. That's going to be a little bit later in the show. She won her election as alder to become the first trans woman elected in the history of the state. So it's an historic election. And um, she won by 54 votes. So we're going to talk to her in a little bit. I talked about that yesterday at the end of the show. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up, fascism in Tennessee as the House votes to expel three Democratic members of the legislature. Before the vote to expel him, Representative Justin Jones spoke on the Tennessee House floor. Let's listen to that. 
day for Tennessee because it will signal to the nation that there is no democracy in this state. It will signal to the nation that if it can happen here in Tennessee, it's coming to your state next. And that is why the nation is watching us, what we do here. My prayer to you is that even if you expel me, that you still act to address the crisis of mass shootings. Because if I'm expelled from here, I'll be back out there with the people every week demanding that you act. If you expel me, I'll continue to show up because this issue is too important. I talked to many, too, too many students and mothers in tears this week who said, thank you for doing something. And so if you expel me, I recognize that it's not just about expelling me, but it's about expelling the people. But your action will do the exact opposite. It will galvanize them to see what is happening in this state requires sustained action. And so I hope that my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, regardless of what you decide to do to me, because this is not about me, but this is about those young people who are asking us to use our position and to uphold our oath to protest and dissent from any action or legislation that is injurious to the people. Yeah, and the Tennessee GOP just signed its death certificate with this absolute display. I mean, it's just a complete and total autocracy. And here's what the Washington Post writes. The Republican-led Tennessee House voted Thursday to expel Democratic lawmaker Justin Jones, who halted proceedings last week to join protesters demanding gun control legislation after the mass shooting. Lawmakers are set to consider the expulsions of two additional lawmakers in an historic act of retaliation. The chamber voted 72 to 25 to expel Justin Jones, an activist turned lawmaker elected to represent Nashville's 52nd district. Lawmakers are expected to vote Thursday evening on the proposed expulsion of two more Democrats, Reps Gloria Johnson and Rep Justin Pearson, despite widespread protest. Now, during more than two hours of debate, Republican members defended the severe action by saying it was needed to prevent Jones from continuing to defy the chamber's rules. Democrats said the expulsion was anti-democratic, urged lawmakers not to use the nuclear option. Reaction was mixed, apparently, after the vote. A group in the gallery yelled shame, shame, shame. Two people walked out of the chambers clapping in favor. So I don't know if that's mixed. The Tennessee General Assembly, where Republicans hold the supermajority in both chambers, has resisted calls to enact gun legislation since the March 27th Covenant school shooting that left six dead, including three nine-year-olds. The House has 73 Republicans and 26 Democrats. County and city-level officials will select delegates to serve in the vacant House seats until the next regularly scheduled election in August of 2024. County and city-level officials. That's what Carrie Russell says. She's a political science senior lecturer at Nashville's Vanderbilt University. The expelled lawmakers will be able to run for re-election at that time, she says. The Tennessee House has only expelled members three times in the past, according to a report from the Office of the State's Attorney General. In 1866, six members were expelled, quote, for the contempt of the authority of this House. In 1980, a member was expelled for seeking a bribe in exchange for tanking a piece of legislation. And in 2016, a representative was expelled amid a state federal investigation for sexual misconduct. 22 women alleged sexual misconduct. Republicans cannot win on ideas. They can't win in fair elections. And now they're resorting to expelling members to hang on to minority rule. 
The state speaker of the House likened the three members protesting with their constituents to the insurrection on January 6th. They're actually trying to equate Justin Jones remaining on the floor for 15 seconds longer than the rules allow with the deadly attempted overthrow of the federal government on January 6th. They're what they call legitimate political discourse. This is a First Amendment violation. This is a taxation without representation issue. I hope the Department of Justice steps in here if it's able. And Mark Elias reminds us that Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution says the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government. The Department of Justice, he continued, should look at all of its options and obligations to remedy this anti-democratic act. And this is breaking now. The resolution to expel the one white member facing expulsion today, Representative Gloria Johnson, failed. The resolution to expel her failed. Why? There is no material difference here legally or by the rules. It'll be interesting to see how the vote comes out for the third representative, who is also a black man. I didn't think this could get worse for the Republican Party, but it just did. They not only portrayed themselves as autocrats, but racist autocrats. And now the Department of Justice can add civil rights violations to the First Amendment and taxation without representation. When asked why her colleague was expelled and she wasn't, Rep. Gloria Johnson said, it may have something to do with the color of our skin. And now also breaking, the Tennessee House has voted to expel Representative Justin Pearson after a rousing five-minute speech, which you will undoubtedly have already heard by the time this episode hits your ears, absolute autocracy and racism. The two black men have been expelled on full display in Tennessee today. This will be a permanent stain on our history that I'm sure Republicans undoubtedly will try to ban from the history books. Just unbelievable. All right, up next, more autocracy from Joshua Kaplan, Justin Elliott, and Alex Mirjeski at ProPublica. In late June 2019, right after the Supreme Court released its final opinion of the term, Justice Clarence Thomas boarded a very large private jet headed to Indonesia. He and his wife were going on vacation, nine days of island hopping in a volcanic archipelago on a super yacht staffed by a coterie of attendants and private chefs. If Thomas had chartered the plane and the 162-foot yacht himself, the total cost of the trip would have exceeded half a million dollars. But fortunately for him, that wasn't necessary. He was on vacation with real estate magnate and Republican megadonor Harlan Crow, who owned the jet and the yacht. For more than two decades now, Thomas has accepted luxury trips virtually every year from the Dallas businessman without disclosing them per law. That's according to documents and interviews. A public servant who has a salary of $285,000, he vacationed on Crow's superyacht around the globe. He flies on Crow's Bombardier Global 5000 jet. He has gone with Crow to the Bohemian Grove, the exclusive California all-male retreat, and to Crow's sprawling ranch in East Texas. And Thomas typically spends about a week every summer at Crow's private resort in the Adirondacks. The extent and frequency of Crow's apparent gifts to Thomas have no known precedent in the modern history of the U.S. Supreme Court. These trips appeared nowhere in Thomas's financial disclosures. His failure to report the flights appears to violate a law passed after Watergate that requires justices, judges, and members of Congress and federal officials to disclose most gifts. That's according to two ethics law ex experts. He also should have disclosed his trips on the yacht. 
Thomas did not respond to a detailed list of questions by ProPublica. ProPublica uncovered the details of the travel by drawing from flight records, internal documents distributed to Crow's employees, and interviews with dozens of people ranging from his superyacht staff to members of the Secretive Bohemian Club to an Indonesian scuba diving instructor. Hell of an investigation. Well done, ProPublica. In Thomas's public appearances over the years, he's presented himself as an everyman with modest tastes. Quote, I don't have any problem with going to Europe, but I prefer the United States and I prefer seeing the regular parts of the United States. He left out the private jet 126-foot yacht part. That was a recent interview for a documentary about his life, which, by the way, Crow helped finance. <laughs> Quote, I prefer the RV parks. I prefer the Walmart parking lots to the beaches and things like that. There's something normal to me about it. I come from regular stock, and I prefer that. I prefer being around that. Yeah, my guess he was so much of an asshole that the yacht staff was like, fuck that guy. We're talking to ProPublica. During just one trip in July of 2017, Thomas's fellow guests, including executives at Verizon and PricewaterhouseCoopers, major Republican donors, and one of the leaders of the American Enterprise Institute, a pro-business conservative think tank, according to records reviewed by ProPublica. In fact, there's a painting of Thomas at Topridge showing him in conversation with Leonard Leo. That's the FedSoch. That's a Federalist Society leader, the architect of the Supreme Court's white supremacy, the turn to the right. Thomas didn't report any of the trips to ProPublica identified in his annual financial disclosures. Ethics experts say the law clearly requires disclosure for private jet flights, and Thomas appears to have violated it. What are the punishments for that law? Probably nothing. But I urge you to read the entire ProPublica article. It's of note, by the way, Clarence Thomas was making these trips. He was taking lavish gifts while ruling on a case that now makes it next to impossible to charge public officials with bribery could be the reason we haven't seen an indictment of Matt Gates in Florida for taking money from that guy who took him to the Bahamas with underage girls to get uh, marijuana legislation through. That case, by the way, he was deciding McDonald versus the United States, which is, by the way, was prosecuted by Jack Smith, the current special counsel investigating Donald Trump. Senator Whitehouse has demanded Chief Judge John Roberts investigate this matter. We know where that'll go. Another SCOTUS news from Adam Liptak at the New York Times. The Supreme Court ruled Thursday that a transgender girl may compete on the girls' cross-country track teams in her middle school in West Virginia while her appeal moves forward, signaling that the majority of the justices are not ready to enter another battleground in culture wars. The Supreme Court's brief order, which let stand an appeals court's temporary injunction, gave no reasons which is not unusual when the justices rule on emergency applications filed on what critics call the court's shadow docket. Justice Alito and Clarence Thomas issued dissenting opinions, indicating that states are entitled to enact laws restricting participation in women's or girls' sports based on genes or physiological or anatomical characteristics. Really, I wonder where that is in the Constitution. Genes. I don't remember it. Originalism, right? A case involving conflicting conceptions of inclusiveness and fairness in sports arose from a 2021 law in West Virginia that barred boys from competing on girls' teams in public schools. The law made distinctions based on what it called biological sex, which it identified as an individual's physical form as a male or a female based solely on the individual's reproductive biology and genetics at birth. At birth. 
So there won't be an injunction as the appeal goes forward. I'll keep you posted on further developments. I don't have faith that the final outcome of this is going to be the way we want it to go. And from Politico, the House GOP on Thursday fired off its first subpoena as its investigation of Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's office, you know, has indicted Donald Trump. And this is escalating a standoff over the indictment. Now, House Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan is summoning Mark Pomerantz, former county special assistant district attorney, to appear behind closed doors for a deposition on 420. (laughs) Right on. That's according to a copy of the subpoena viewed by Politico. It's unusual for Congress to subpoena a line prosecutor, and Jordan, in his Thursday letter, alleges that Bragg's office directed Pomerantz not to cooperate with oversight. Sure, why not? Bragg's office issues a fiery rebuke of the subpoena, painting it as House Republicans' latest attempt to meddle by intruding on the sovereignty of the state of New York by interfering in an ongoing criminal matter in state court. Quote, the House GOP continues to attempt to undermine an active investigation, an ongoing New York criminal case with an unprecedented campaign of harassment and intimidation. Repeated efforts to weaken state and local law enforcement actions are an abuse of power and will not deter us from our duty to uphold the law. That's what Bragg said to Jim again. Reached by email, Pomerantz said no comment. All right. Dark day today. Um, So we need some good news. And we're going to start that with an interview with Dina Nina, who is now the alder for Madison's 15th district. And then after that, we'll have the good news. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You know, I don't get choked up too often, but I did break down a little bit at the end of the beans yesterday in tears of joy because our friend who we had on the podcast ahead of her election won her election by the narrowest of margins, 54 votes. Every vote counts, y'all. And she is now the alder in the 15th district, Dane County, Madison, Wisconsin. Please welcome Dina Nina Martinez Rutherford. Dina, oh my God. Oh my God is right. (laughs) (laughs) I had somebody write in and they were like, you know, I'm in Wisconsin. I'm in a neighboring county. We went over there to throw all our support behind Dina after we heard her on the Daily Beans. Tell us about, first of all, how you feeling? I'm feeling exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, and super excited and honored. And I, I think the, the weight of the importance of what just happened is really present with me in the best senses of the phrase. And Man, <laughs> it's historic. This is it historic is historic in mm-hmm. history. I mean, this is yeah. like a first trans woman elected, and like, yeah, it's it's blowing my mind right now. And I am so so happy for you, but I am also even happier for the constituents that you are now going to represent because now they have some representation in the council there. And we talked about this a little bit the last time you were here. Mm-hmm. Alder is sort of like a city council person. Yeah, and absolutely. that's like where the rubber meets the road. And to have mm-hmm. representative voices on that council is going to make such a huge difference for Wisconsin, for Madison, for Dane County, for the whole shebang. Talk to me a little bit about absolutely. this vote margin. Holy shit. <laughs> for like an hour and a half, we were two votes. He was ahead for of two, with two votes. And I was like, Okay, I'm fine. I'm good. It's fine. Either way sucks, I feel, but like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's gonna be great. And then all of a sudden I was like, they were like, Dina, you won the last, the last ward came in and you won. And I was like, what? (laughs) What? (sighs) And I was just shocked. And, but man, what a great feeling. I had some uh, wonderful people in my district that were there that were 
some are trans, some have trans kids. Like it was, it just felt so right and amazing. Yeah. And speak to the, the, the larger historic nature of this, because, mm-hmm. you know, Dems have been trying to crush this oppressive bullshit gerrymandering and everything for so long in Wisconsin. And, you know, Mm because, you know, I would talk to a lot of Michiganders and and they were like, dude, Wisconsin can be this, right? We can be this. We just got to get together. We got to organize. I am so glad that we had you on the podcast because, I mean, every vote literally counts in these every vote in these elections. And so Let's talk about a little bit about what's next. Is there going to be, is there like an automatic recount? Are you it? Like, what's the, what's the deal now? No, my opponent has the opportunity to request a a recount. I don't think that he will, but I don't, I don't know. And if there is a recount, then I'm fine with whatever the decision the people made. I'm fine with it. And I'm very, like, it is so tight and, and there are going to be a lot of people who don't get me, and I understand that. But we have challenges that we have to face. Like, And it's not just in Madison. It's all over the country. But affordable housing, we have 5% vacancy for housing in Madison. 5%. And we have 100,000 people slated to move into the city over the next few years. We have no housing. You know, and I was talking to one of the constituents in the district, and she was like, I was like, so what would you propose that we do? And she goes, well, they can live on the outskirts. And I was like, (laughs) that, wow, okay. Um, And I was like, I would appreciate your vote, but I understand if you're not going to vote for me, that makes sense, you know? But uh, we have challenges that we have to face, tackle, and really meet in a way that is compassionate, kind, and caring of the humans that call Madison home. Mm-hmm. Now, what has the Democratic Party, either in the county or in the city, have they like or have you been working closely with them about what's on the agenda, what to do, how things work? Like, if I, I know that if I were elected city council and I'd never been a city council person or an alder before, I'd be like, all right, how like what are the what are the mechanics of this? How does this work? Yeah. You know, so like, is there an orientation? Do they show you a video how not to sexually harass people? And you're <laughs> like, like, I, I'm just like, you know, like when you get a new job at McDonald's or whatever, and they're like, welcome right, to the right. team. Like, what does it look like to to enter into that job? Um, It's it's a lot. You know, I, I'm meeting with a lot of former alders, uh, county supervisors, um, alders that are reelected or or newly elected. I'm meeting with a lot of community organizers right now. Today, I met with um, the mayor's office, and she we talked about priorities, and and she knows my priorities. And then I met our council staff, and they helped me figure out you know navigate a couple of things. But starting next week, we have a mock council meeting, which <laughs> I'm so excited about. And then we get to meet with uh, municipal employees and leaders in the departments to find out what they need and require and expect. And then on the following Tuesday, it's an eight to eight day. We get sworn in, we have brunches, we have meetings, we have everything. So it's a very intense ride. And I already have everybody reaching out to me to, to say, hey, we need to talk about this issue. We need to talk about this issue. So I am trying to be as, you know, collected and not overwhelmed as possible. And, you know, I've, I've luckily 
Um, I've gotten to meet with the police today because I'm getting emails already. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it started. I expected the hatred to start earlier. And all I was met with on the campaign trail was just really wonderful support and love from the community. And now it's the people who are salty about me being trans. And and I'm I knew it was coming. So I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't I can't imagine. Yeah. You know what's I, I I'm somewhat of a public figure. I get some emails, but you know I'm not an elected official as you are now. Right. And um, I love so much that you're like, hey, whatever the voters decide, because yeah. I think that's a huge difference between Democrats and the Republicans. Is we actually want representation for the people and the representatives that the people want. But that's the whole yeah. idea, mm-hmm. right, behind a democracy. Yes, I know we're a constitutional republic, but that is a democracy. And so it's so important that we have these fair elections mm-hmm. so that we can actually put people in in power to represent what the people want. That's that's yeah. what it's supposed to be like. And I think now with Janet Protosewitz up there being able to, you know, end this yeah. horrible gerrymandering, mm-hmm. you're actually going to see a representative amount of people, you know, in as elected officials in Wisconsin. It's going to take a while and it's going to take a lot of yeah. work. But, you know, when you're when you're in a state that's like 50 50, but there's a 70 30 in Congress or in your legislature and that you have six to two representatives in the U.S. House of Representatives, that is not a representative democracy. And I'm so and I'm so glad Mm -hmm. that that Wisconsin is going to be going that way, because we saw we saw Gretchen Whitmer sign the bill repealing the abortion ban. We see her going after, you know, uh, overturning right to work in her state. And I feel like Wisconsin now has this new lease on life at actually being a representative democracy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really excited about that. And over the next three to four years, we'll start seeing the effects of it. Uh, you know, the the legislature maintained a, you know, Republican uh, strong majority, uh, super majority. So there's still a lot of fight ahead but yeah, man, just having the the knowledge that that some relief is coming, that we're going to actually get a fair shot at governing feels so exciting. And all the damage that the the Republican-led legislatures have done will start undoing piece by piece mm-hmm. as we as we move forward and and starting in the city, you know, just making a difference here. Because, you know, Madison's our hub of government. So I'm very, wow, honored and freaked out. And <laughs> I'm being very human about this right now. <laughs> well, good, because you are human. How yeah. how many yeah. um, how many constituents do you represent now? Um, I think it's 8,000. I should know this off the top of my head, but I'm sorry I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah I think it's around eight or 9,000. I... Uh, I'm still kind of grappling with what everything looks like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'll have that knowledge uh, imprinted into my brain for sure. Yeah. As we go forward. Well, I am absolutely confident that you will represent them fairly and well. And congratulations. I'm so glad that we had you on. I'm so glad we could send out a little bit of help. Yeah. Thank you. And um, everybody, this is what it looks like. This is how yeah. it works. It starts with city council. It starts with school boards. It starts with judges. 
and we build up from there and it has an impact on our national body politic. So congratulations, Dina. Thank you so, so much. I look forward to talking to you again in the future about some of the things that you'll be doing for your constituents. I look forward to it too. This is so cool. All right, everybody stick around. (laughs) Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And if you have any good news, corrections, if I screw something up or mispronounce something, uh, if you have a shout out for somebody that you love in your area or in the world or a shit kids say or a small business that you want to help promote, uh, or if you're a maker or creator, we have so many wonderful makers and creators in our community in the Leguminati. You can tell us about it. Tell us about what you're making. Uh, If you have a what the mutt you want to play or uh, you know, pod pet picks, adoptable pets in your area, whatever you want to send us, anything at all, frog orgies, baby pictures, send it to us, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And if you have a case to be heard in Judge Amy's court, she'll be back again with us before Dana gets back. So you can send that to us as well. All right. First up from Mr. Midnight, pronouns he and him. Hey, AG, this is a clarification for Wednesday's beans that came out on April 5th for your listener who has a rescue kitty from Oman. The Arabic words are a little hard to transliterate because they have letters that don't correspond to English. But here's my best shot at sounding them out. There are several words for box, but the closest meaning would be sunduk, short U and long U vowel. Uh, hard K, sound deep in the throat, sunduk. Or alba, deep but short sound to start, but that letter also doesn't work in English either. Uh, alba is a small box or packet. Albat Dukan is a pack of cigarettes, literally box of smoke. And this is a legacy of my misspent youth at DLI. I still have from fluency with Arabic. And that being said, go Army, beat Navy. Boo. <laughs> go Navy. <laughs> Next up. Thank you, by the way, for that. Uh, for science, the tape box project. I thought this might work too, but the blue tape box was there for days and nothing. <laughs> It's there. You guys, I love you guys. I wonder if you have any. Now I want to hear if you have guests come over and say, what the fuck is that? And you can see if you could try to explain it to them. That would be fun to hear about. Next up from Scott L. Greetings, AG and crew. Recently, I just been overwhelmed by how much Trump has reemerged in the news. I decided I needed a hiatus, but I couldn't go completely newsless. So I chose your Daily Beans as my only news source. Maybe in a few weeks, I'll want to get more involved with the news again. But until then, your beans and the clarity and the articulation make you gals the go-tos. Oh, thank you, Scott. That really means a lot to me. I've attached a photo of my cat violating my space heater's civil rights. (laughs) Oh, Kita. So adorable. All right, next up from Kelly in Madison. Woohoo! Pronounce she and her. In Thursday's pod, you wondered aloud how many people your podcast reached to get out the vote in Wisconsin. While your pod didn't influence me to the polls, I would have voted anyway. It did put Dina Nina on my radar. I'm new again to Madison, went to UW, now here as an adult again, and I wasn't familiar with Alder district numbers. So after her interview, I looked her up, realized I could vote for her. Signs around the neighborhood were almost solely for her opponent. So I genuinely believe you had a hand in helping Dina Nina get elected. I am proof. No pets for pod pet tax, but I am including a photo of Dina Nina for Alder sign that I spotted in my neighborhood. 
Oh, look at that. Vote Dina Nina and in the O is the LGBTQ flag. <gasps> oh, forward together. Oh, she's so adorable. Okay. Thank you so much. There's one. One vote. Woohoo. Next up from Craig, pronouns he and him. Hello. Hoping for a shout out to a local business and small business. I created a disability-run nonprofit that provides food sovereignty, hygiene supplies, clothes, and even pet food. Oh, inspired by my own struggles with PTS, the Rock Soup Greenhouse and Food Bank serves thousands of families for our free store. We do this as volunteers and as a community. We need your help to continue the conversation in this, on this essential human right by spreading the word. Pushing this far left has left some very deep wakes in the very conservative rural setting we're in. I'm a fan since the kitchen table days. Your energy, passion, and tenacity has inspired me to create and join in the advocacy. Hearing you talk about your PTS and mental health has created a safe place for me to talk about my journey. It's that journey I used to write the foundations of Rock Soup, inspired all the way over here in Alberta, Canada. Thank you kindly for all you and your team does to share in this passion. Send as many over to our socials and website as you can. We need a positive boost. Rocksoup.ca, everybody. Rock, R-O-C-K, soup, S-O-U-P, rocksoup.ca. Please go help. Help do everything that you can. And thank you, Craig. Next up from CJ, pronouns they and them. Hello, Leguminati. Started listening to The Beans a few months ago. It's been so valuable in helping me stay informed while avoiding the dread. I am a trans autist, and the last few months have been a particularly scary time to exist in my body in this country. I don't live in Wisconsin, but hearing you read the letters from Anon and Andrea made me cry like a baby. Hearing your voice crack talking about Dina Nina's win sent me over the edge. This is the first time since 2016 that I felt like our fight is possible to win. Thank you for all you do to share information while cutting through the despair. For pet tax, I've included my photos of my two mutts, Jordy and Micah. I would love to hear your what the mutt for both. Okay, let's see. First of all, naps. Okay, so this is like a little corgi chihuahua with the hmm, with the tongue out, with the blep, the mlam. God. And a little pug. Maybe I can't see the other one's face. Oh, there. Oh, mm, pug chihuahua. I got to say, you got a couple of chihuahua mixes with a pug and a corgi coming in. Let me know what you think. I'm interested as well. Next up from Shauna, pronouns she and her. I am from Wisconsin and my dear mama got me to listen to your podcast. Thank you. And shout out to my sweet, loving, progressive mom. I grew up in the wow counties in Wisconsin and my mom and dad still live there and sadly have to put up with the insanity and host, uh, honestly hateful rhetoric that is proudly on display in these super conservative counties. So shout out to the best mom ever for helping me keep and grow my progressive and humane values. She's simply the best and wisest woman I know, and she's my mom. Win-win. Allison, what also compelled my submission is that you gave me hope on today's podcast. I started crying as soon as you compared Wisconsin to Michigan. To even dream that one day Wisconsin may not have to deal with all the BS that the Republicans and conservatives in this state have thrust upon us for so many years, and to even imagine that Wisconsin may turn blue again, well, wow, that's something to think about. Your podcast has become my morning staple as I drive to work or walk my sweet doggo on cold Wisconsin mornings. I'm so happy to have found you. Thank you for your passion and brilliance. I'll stop. Of course, thanks to Dana, too. I miss her when she is gone. Me, too. Me, too, Shauna. Pod pet tax, photos of my two sweet kitties, Mona and Mavis. Those are great names. Mavis is plotting how to get her paws on the sparkly ball Mona is sitting on. She did 
get it and eventually took it over to the bed for a bit. And the second picture is a sweet doggo trying to navigate the springtime Wisconsin snow. Thanks for all you do. Much love and appreciation from Wisconsin. Let's make Wisconsin blue again. Yes. Look at the babies. Little loaf. Loaf kitty. Oh, and there's the snow. Beautiful. Ah, I don't know. I miss snow, but I also don't. So I grew up in Akron, actually Talmadge, Willow Springs Estates, this little like 10 houses arranged around a, I guess you could call it a lake, but it's more like a pond. You could ice skate across it in about a minute and a half. It would freeze solid during the winter, so it was safe to ice skate on. And then across the street was uh, my friends Lori and David, and behind their house was forest and then cornfields. And then around the lake were blueberry, blackberry bushes, a couple of raspberry bushes. Those were where we went first because they would always go first. But you could pick these blackberries that were like as big as your fist. And on the way up the hill to the lake, hill, it's like a 10 foot hill, uh, was a big lilac bush. We'd always have fresh lilacs in the house. That's where I grew up. Very snowy there in Talmadge. All right. Thanks for the walk down memory lane with the snow photos. (laughs) I thought I I fancied myself an incredible ice skater and I I was kind of like tall and sort of, you know, buff. So I I didn't, I was never going to be a figure skater. I wanted to be a speed skater. So I've always watched the speed skating when the Winter Olympics come around. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. I needed that good news today after what's been going on down in Tennessee. I'm going to go back and watch more of that coverage. We're going to follow that. Uh, listen to Representative Justin Pearson's speech when you get a chance. Holy shit. It's incredible. Very moving. I, I, I can't do any of it justice. You just have to watch it. I'll see if I can find the clip and we'll play it on the, on the beans. Not tomorrow. I'm sorry. It's Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, I'll play it on the beans on Monday. So thank you again, everybody. Please take care of yourselves, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, take care of each other. Did I do that in the wrong order? I think I covered it all. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. I've been AG, and that was The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. 
but with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler. How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is lawyers, guns, and money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.